Support for Yale Cancer Answers is provided by AstraZeneca, a global science-led biopharmaceutical business committed to bringing to market targeted oncology medicines that address unmet needs. More information at AstraZeneca-US.com. Welcome to Yale Cancer Answers with Drs. Howard Hoxter, Anise Chagpar, and Stephen Gore. I'm Bruce Barber. Yale Cancer Answers is our way of providing you with the most up-to-date information on cancer care by welcoming oncologists and specialists who are on the forefront of the battle to fight cancer. This week, it's a conversation about pain management for cancer patients with Dr. Donna Ann Thomas. Dr. Thomas is an assistant professor of anesthesiology and the division chief of pain medicine at the Yale School of Medicine. Dr. Hoxter is a professor of medicine and medical oncology at the Yale School of Medicine and associate director for clinical services at Yale Cancer Center. So, you know, pain is like one of the key things that we deal with in in the cancer patient. Um, Maybe you'd like to start by talking a little bit about what causes pain for this particular kind of patient. Yeah. Unfortunately, you know, Pain, as you mentioned, is one of the most profound and significant things that a patient who is having cancer can undergo. And there are several different factors that can cause pain in those patients. One is the tumor itself and the location of the tumor. Uh, for example, if the tumor is located in the, in the bone, that can be extremely painful. In an area that is covered by a capsule, for example, a liver or a kidney, that can be painful also. So the tumor itself can cause pain, but also certain types of cancer treatment can cause pain, such as chemotherapy and radiation therapy. And when we see those, um, the typical type of pain that the patient would have is some form of nerve pain. And then finally, the surgery to remove the cancer itself can lead to some form of chronic pain. So when we see the patient who has cancer, we, we, we tend to see it, pain in all those different areas. So like direct pain from the primary or metastatic tumors pain related to surgical management, and then these kind of neuropathy-type pains that people get from treatment are kind of like the main way you think about these things? Correct. And so you have different approaches to each of those? Well, our our approach would mainly be towards the type of pain the patient is experiencing and whether or not the tumor or the cancer itself is expected to be curative or not. Um, When we approach those patients with cancer pain, we always do it as a team effort with their oncologists, their specialists, and their surgery because their expected life expectancy life expectancy, how the tumor will expand if it doesn't, plays a role in how we approach it. So, yes. So this is all very interesting and and, and a little different than what most anesthesiologists do. Can you tell us a little bit about your background and how you came to this instead of just putting people under? (laughs) Absolutely. So I really started out following medical school, um, matching in the field of surgery. And um, once I made the transition to anesthesiology, one of the things that initially drew me to um, pain medicine was the fact that I could use some of my surgical skills with, um, with the anesthesiology skills in pain medicine. But the 
approach to pain has changed over the last years. The approach has become a biopsychosocial model. And I have a sister who does have a sickle cell and who has had significantly painful crisis. So family experience along with my previous experience in surgery and the new approach to pain that is just not procedure only is what really attracted me to pain medicine. No, that's that's very interesting. And um, certainly, uh, you know, can highlight the, the need for these kind of multidisciplinary pain programs. So w- when we talk about th- multidisciplinary pain programs, like what, who, who gets involved with these? Well, for cancer pain, what we try to do is we have uh, the patient not only see the pain specialist, but also have the opportunity to see the palliative care specialist and also to see a specialist in integrative or complementary medicine. And that will involve other modalities, which could include acupuncture, meditation or yoga, massage, neuropathy, which is um, the treatment with non-conventional medication, but herbal medication. And then also, if needed, uh, social work will play a part. And then importantly, uh, a psychologist or a psychiatrist in behavioral health will see a part, uh, play a part. Because what we see in pain is that there is a significant impact that pain can have on the brain, which can cause symptoms that are not necessarily off fault of the patient, but symptoms of anxiety, symptoms of depression. So having a person available to help the patient work through those issues, I think, is very important. So when should the physicians refer people to the pain service, uh, or when should the patients be looking to go to one of these kind of multidisciplinary pain services uh, if they're you know, just having pain and getting basically opioid-type medicines for their pain? So I think as soon as possible. The patient really should be seeing the pain specialist who, whose goal is to work as a team member with the oncologist and the surgeon in order to treat the pain. The goal is not to use opioids only. The goal is to use a multimodal approach to pain by using medications that decrease inflammation, help with nerve pain, as well as using opioid medications. What we find out is that when we use just opioid medications to treat this type of pain, and there are some types of pain that required opioid medications, but we find out that continuous opioid use can have significant side effects that we want to try to avoid, especially if we want to treat the pain appropriately. Uh, Well, are there particular kinds of cases that you think need more urgent referral to the pain service? Well, absolutely. The the ones that are known historically to uh, be painful um, and the ones that are more likely that the pa- the process in which the patient has to uh, undergo in order to have treatment or to be successfully curative might be a long process. For example, patients with uh, breast cancer that are... Uh, can be resected, 
and completely curable, we wouldn't typically see those patients unless the patients have post-operative pain as a result of the breast surgery. But for example, patients with myeloma and um, those patients who um, will have you know, painful air areas, those kind of patients that we will look forward to seeing. So that's myeloma is a kind of a hematologic malignancy of the bone marrow. So people usually present with pain in the bone, and that's exactly. very difficult to control. Correct. So those people may benefit early on, earlier on. Yeah. Um, and then also people who have bone metastases from other kinds of solid tumors, I imagine. Yeah, so definitely patients who have had metastases um, in areas that are painful are patients sh who should be referred to us. And uh, so, and when you see uh, one of the one of these patients, like what kind of evaluation do you do that might be a little different than uh, the way their regular oncologist sees them? Well, a part of our workup is is not only the physical examination that the patient is used to, but there's a huge uh, psychological component to our, our workup with these patients too, so that we keep that uh, part as a part uh, as a part of our con um, consideration when making a determination. We try to delineate with the patient the specific type of pain that they're having, whether the, pa the pain is in one sp particular area, does it radiate to another area, because radiating pain is important for us to find out. So we try to do uh, those things in our workup and our physical exam. Our physical exam does incorporate both a musculoskeletal exam and a neurological exam as well. And we do that all combined to make a determination as to what to do and how to approach the pain. I see. And in terms of um, evaluating depression and, and anxiety, how do you handle that? Well, so that's done with an evaluation tool that is given to our patient in our intake packet. And the evaluation tool is a validated tool. That means it's been used be, um, before and shown to um, give us the indication whether or not this patient should seek further help. But the consensus has been that regardless if a patient does have a cancer diagnosis, we should form and f try to have some form of evaluation for those patients to make sure that we're not missing anything that the patient may not re be revealing. Uh, okay. And so uh, in, in your team, you have, again, the different kinds of supportive care, um, including alternative medication, acupuncture, um, and psychosocial support. We do. And, and you'll prescribe anxiety or depression medications in addition to to narcotics is whatever is needed for them. Yes, so the uh, behavioral care specialist or a psychiatrist will provide those medications because the patient, as a part of the cancer team, does have the ability to see that specialist. Uh, many of the drugs that we use for nerve pain also have the added effect of helping with, uh, with depressions because they do work on nerves as well. And uh, while we're talking about that, so the, the nerve pain is generally related to uh, neuropathy from chemotherapy drugs, what we tend to call chemotherapy-induced 
neuropathy. Correct. And so what kind of things are you doing for that specifically? So we have the option of using drug classes like anticonvulsants, tricyclic antidepressants, some serotonin-type drugs um, to uh, help with those kind of pains. Those and some of those drugs do have side effects. So what we typically do is we use the one that's typically the tried and true one, like neurontin or gabapentin, which is also indicated for the pediatric population. And if the patient develops a side effects or issues with that medication, then we will move to other drug classes. Also, if the patient has any kidney issues or any liver issues, that will help make the determination as to what kind of medication to start the patient on. Other alternatives are using, for example, a lidoderm patch, which is similar, similar to Novocaine in the form of a patch. There can be a um, capsaicin patch that can be used, which is similar to what you eat when you eat your spicy sauce and pepper that has been shown to help with that kind of pain also. So, so those are used in the situation where you have a specific spot? Yes, can... yes. The patches are used um, when you have a specific localized area. We are going to take a short break for a medical minute. Please stay tuned to learn more information about pain management with Dr. Donna Ann Thomas. Support for Yale Cancer Answers is provided by AstraZeneca, committed to providing targeted cancer medicines for patients. When it comes to cancer treatment, one size does not fit all. More information at AstraZeneca-US.com. This is a medical minute about melanoma. While melanoma accounts for only about 4% of skin cancer cases, it causes the most skin cancer deaths. When detected early, however, melanoma is easily treated and highly curable. Clinical trials are currently underway to test innovative new treatments for melanoma. The goal of the Specialized Programs of Research Excellence in Skin Cancer, or SPORE grant, is to better understand the biology of skin cancer with a focus on discovering targets that will lead to improved diagnosis and treatment. More information is available at YaleCancerCenter.org you're listening to WNPR, Connecticut's public media source for news and ideas. Welcome back to Yale Cancer Answers. This is Dr. Howard Hoxter, and I'm joined tonight by my guest, Dr. Donna Ann Thomas, um, in the anesthesia and pain medicine department at the Yale Cancer Center and Smilo Cancer Hospital, and we're discussing pain management for cancer patients. Uh, so, Dr. Thomas, can you, can you tell us um, who exactly is part of your pain management team and what their kind of focus is when they see a patient with cancer. There are a lot of different kinds of folks involved here. Absolutely. So um, the anesthesiology pain medicine team is made up of Dr. Robert Chow, Dr. Christopher Noda, along with myself, and they have a background in pain medicine. On the interventional... And, and what do they kind of as anesthesiology, pain man management people, what are their, what's their focus? So their focus on cancer pain is to provide interventions, uh, just like myself, for patients with uh, cancer pain. We, can you tell us about some, you know, what, what are some of the interventions you do, nerve blocks? Absolutely. So we do um, nerve blocks, which can uh, help with specific types of pain from uh, the head all the way down. For example, 
a patient with headache, we can focus and do blocks of the nerves that supply the head, for example, the occipital nerve. Um, we do trigger point injections for patients with muscle spasm. We do epidural injections as needed for um, radiating pain that is a result of something pressing on the nerve root. Um, we do um, many different types of nerve blocks for our patients who have had um, problems in what's called a facet joint, but it's just a joint in the back that allows you to bend backwards with with no issue. And that can cause have some inflammation and we can do injections for. For patients with um, abdominal pain, for example, Patients with pancreatic cancer, those patients can um, benefit from what's called a ciliac plexus block, and it's just a blockade of the bigger nerve bond bundles. Uh, for patients with GYN or um, urological cancers, they could benefit from a supraclavicular block, rectal cancer, we can consider an infraclavicular block. So there's a whole range of procedures that can be done uh, in terms of uh, patients. And, and so just for people who are listening out there, what, what exactly is a nerve block? A nerve block is an injection of local anesthetic and steroids around a nerve that is supplying the area that causes the pain. And do you just do that based on your knowledge of anatomy or use a CAT scan to help show you where to go. I mean, you got to put the needle into a specific area, right? Correct. So we use some form of imaging to help guide us where the needle goes. Um, there are some procedures that require the use of ultrasound, some procedures that require the use of an x-ray, and some procedures that does require the use of a CAT scan. I see. So basically people who have kind of a regional area, be it the head, the abdomen, the pelvis, a nerve block may be helpful and reduce the need to take a lot of pills for Correct. their pain. And, and the whole goal is to, one, increase functionality, but two, reduce the amount of medicine that the patient needs to take daily. Well, which is really good because yes. it decreases the amount of side effects from exactly. those medicines, which are often quite problematic. Yeah. One of the things that we can offer also is what's called a intrathecal pump, and it's just delivering the pain medicine in a different way. It's de delivering it towards the spinal cord in the spinal fluids. And what that allows um, to happen is that the patient will get the same amount of pain control but with less medication, therefore they're more functional. So it's a little bit like... I think a lot of people are familiar with epidural anesthesia from childbirth. Correct. It's like that, except you it's use continuous. kind of a continuous pump to kind of cause more numbness of, of that painful area. Exactly. Yeah, that, that can be very, I've, I've seen that be very helpful to patients at times. Yeah. And, um, that can be a real benefit. Yeah. So those are the kind of things that the anesthesia pain medicine team is focused on. And who else is involved in the in the pain medicine team? Interventional radiology absolutely plays a big role in the uh, pain medicine team in cancer pain as well. And that is led by Dr. Kevin Kim. And the interventional radiologist does a lot of procedures that are very similar to pain medicine. Um, we do have some similarities when it comes to our procedures and what we offer. In addition, they do have the ability to 
provide radio frequency ablation of certain tumors, and also uh, for patients with um, vertebral fractures as a result of uh, the cancer, they have the ability to do procedure called kyphoplasty and vertebroplasty, which can be done by them as well as uh, surgeons. So that's like injecting some glue to stabilize the bone. That can be helpful also if people just have osteoporosis from their treatment and have a collapsed vertebra. Exactly. In either case, our interventional radiologist can help out with that kind of pain. Yes, and it does provide a significant amount of relief for those patients. And the radiofrequency ablation is kind of putting in a little... Probe thing and then yes. microwaving the tumor from the inside. Exactly. So if you have a shrinking a tumor that way can also relieve pain. Correct. Especially um, the tumors that are in areas with capsules that can be very painful once that capsule starts to stretch. And that you said before that was kind of like maybe the liver or the, or the kidney. kidney. Yes. So that shouldn't you know, sometimes you can recommend a way to to treat the most painful areas with radiofrequency ablation, and so and and other members of your other team? members are um, the lead for integrative medicine is Ali Athar. Um, he leads integrative medicine, which includes yoga, massage, acupuncture, Pilates, music therapy, naturopathy, and also, and then finally, Mark Swindler from Palliative Care is uh, the lead in cancer pain for palliative care medicine. So there are a lot of people from various groups that kind of come together under the pain management um, group to help specific areas as needed for treatment of pain. Exactly. Um, you know, patients today with pain have... Um, uh, Issues. I mean, it's getting harder and harder even to get pain medication today with all the controls for opioids. What's been your experience with that? So part of that is providing education to um, the patient and to our col- colleagues and trying an attempt to minimize the amount of opioids on the patient. We do realize that if the patient does need opioids, that is what we need to do on those patients. But we make every attempt to minimize it. We educate our patients about looking for signs of tolerance, which is your body getting used to the medication itself versus um, the risk of abusing the medication, which is you wanting to take the medication regardless of if you're in pain or not. we do realize that there's a lot of stigma from society with this opioid crisis, but cancer pain and patient experiencing pain as a result of their cancer is a particular subset of patients that we do recognize will need opioid medication. It would be different if you were um, cured from your cancer and still required or wanted opioids, and we do see those patients, and it does take a lot of education to um, get those patients to come off the opioids right. itself. But in my experience, that's pretty uncommon. Most patients, I think, are worried about becoming dependent and are reluctant to take the pain medication they need. So most of the time, 
I think I have to encourage them to take enough pain medication. And we do see that patient population, too, that we have to encourage them to take the medication. Some are afraid of the side effects of the medication, and um, they don't want to be sedated. They don't want to be non-functional. And um, those patients, we have to encourage uh, to take the medications and try to find the right type of opioid for that patient that's going to minimize the side effect for that patient. But we do um, educate them about the types of medication we're using, why we're using the medication, and how to take the medication. And and I like to emphasize to my patients also that they're not going to get addicted. I mean, they may need to be tapered off the medication, but, you know, addiction is kind of a behavioral thing. It's Correct. not a response to pain. It's so when you need narcotic pain medication to treat your pain, you're not going to become an addict. Yeah, and, and that's important for them to know because there's a big difference between addiction and tolerance. And sometimes there's a confusion between what is tolerance and what is addiction. And and that's going to happen. Tolerance is going to happen with anyone taking opioids if you're taking it cons- consistently because you need it for your pain. is that your body does get used to the medication. And we either have to change the type of medication or make some adjustments and increase the medication. Fortunately, there are a number of pain medications available today, so there are definitely choices and ways to switch things around. Yes. So, um, so what do you see as the major advances that have been made in uh, treatment of, of pain, cancer pain, and, and management of cancer pain patients? Well, I think the major advantage would be the ability to provide uh, implantables to the patient. The um, furtherance with research when it comes to the use of drugs with patients and using multimodal approach. The um, impact that using psychological therapy like cognitive behavior therapy and biofeedback therapy is having with patients who are living daily with pain. And um, the ability to refer to a pain specialist earlier and just not end of life, um, therefore helping with functionality and quality of life. Well, we always have to uh, focus on the quality of our patients' lives and uh, do the best we can for that. So that's very important. Um, do we, what, what do we, um, can you tell us a little bit more about the biofeedback? So biofeedback therapy is uh, having the patient use some form of imagery. For example, if you like to go to the beach, using that and focusing on being at the beach and focusing on, on listening to the waves and um, the ex- feeling the sunshine and using that to focus has been shown to have an effect on the brain that actually helps to reduce the pain. And are there machines and things to help with that or is that... It's a it's, basically it's guided imagery uh-huh. and um, especially um, now there are Smartphones can provide apps. There are things that can help you through this process. I believe the most important part is getting the patient to the point of going through the process, and that's where a behavioral health or psychology person can be very helpful. So we helpful. have some people who can help with yes. biofeedback in our, in our clinics. Yes. And, um, uh, and some of the other... Um, Supportive care or alternative that you were speaking of might include 
massage and what other things? Massage therapy, music therapy, and music therapy is having the patient focus on the music instead of their pain. And we all have various different tastes in music, so it would have to be the music of your choice. Um, definitely, uh, definitely meditation, yoga has been shown to be helpful for um, those patients, for patients also. Dr. Donna Ann Thomas is an assistant professor of anesthesiology and the division chief of pain medicine at the Yale School of Medicine. If you have questions, the address is canceranswers at yale.edu, and past editions of the program are available in audio and written form at yalecancercenter.org. I'm Bruce Barber, reminding you to tune in each week to learn more about the fight against cancer here on WNPR, Connecticut's public media source for news and ideas.